Let me open to uh, uh, Matthew chapter 11. I, I want to continue s- uh, some thoughts and stir us up about the way of the successful Christian. That's I don't know where it's going. I'm just uh, walking it out myself. Uh, week by week, I just say, Lord, I, I finished that week. What's going to happen now? I'm trusting him that we'll all get a revelation. We'll get something that changes us. Uh, I call it a transaction that we click like it changes you. There's a real uh, thing that uh, preachers, pastors, whatever, we disdain. Dr. Cole called it the uh, professional sermon hearer, that the American church no longer came together to hear the word, if they ever did, but they've come to, to be counted. Lord, remember I was there. Not even so much for the Lord, but to be counted in their social circle, their family, as a church would be, to, 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 to affirm one another, like, I want to be with you. But then there's that pesky little hour where he stands up and just, and just talks and talks and talks and talks. And, and sometimes you go, what is he talking about? And, and then you find out what he's talking about and go, why is he talking about that? We all have those experiences. But it seems like the New Testament bears out that we should stand up and preach the word. It's, it's, uh, there's not a lot in the New Testament about how to have church. But there are some elements that we can pull out that says that we should preach and teach the word of God. And I'm primarily, it seems like... Uh, compared to others. I'm mostly a teacher type. That's how I think. That's how I lean. That's how I uh, am uh, stirred up. And so I I teach. So if you want preaching, you're going to have to tune in to somebody that's wild-eyed and and fire-breathing and all that. There's plenty of them out there. But we want to just find out for our lives how to keep ourselves on course and how to reach certain destinations where we can mark growth and increase in our life. It's just not enough to say, Lord, I went to church all my life. And for him to say, well, how'd that turn out? And say, I, I had some of my best dreams were in church, Lord. I, <laughs> and, uh, but our goal is to, that we should all aspire to live in a higher place. That we believe revelation is the key to living better. That we all have a certain innate desire to live better and to get promoted, but we're not just doing good deeds and saying that's it. We believe there's a revelation, there's a, there's a door that opens into something that we have not known that will take us up higher when we embrace it. And so we're fishing. We're fishing every service to say, Lord, what, what it, like the rich young ruler, uh, where the Lord Jesus said to him, one thing thou lackest. That's what we're all fishing for. There's a lot more than one thing, but that's all we can handle at a time. And the Lord, he works on that. Wouldn't it feel wonderful this morning to have what Barry just shared, to have that off of your life? Yesterday or the last month or whenever it was, that was there and now it's just gone. And it happened just in a moment. It wasn't an arduous thing like serving prison time or something where you're just... You're in for 20 to life or something. It just happened. And that's what we're all looking to in this environment. So 
I, you know, it'd be really important to pay attention, not to what I'm saying, but listening with the spiritual ear. He who has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying. And that's what we're doing. Uh, we're asking God to fill in the blanks so that our life can be increased and we can be a demonstration for others that we can point the way. I talked to someone this week that, uh, that, w that I used to know. Uh, I know them, but I used to be with them all the time. And uh, it's like it just came up in me, offer to go pray for them. Well, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to, I just, and it's like that connection is real old. It's way back. But now, and, and they got excited that I'm going to come pray for them. So it's like that. That's an old connection that's just now playing out. I'm real excited about it. I wrote down that any born again believer can and ought to live on a higher plane of life. Would you all say amen to that? That we that we have not any of us tapped it out and said, I max that out. I, I got the double gold star and. Uh, there, that's all there is. I think we all know there's more. Whether it was from neglect on our side or just not knowing there was more to pursue, there's more. John 10, 10, the Lord Jesus said, I've come that you might have life. And we know that word life is the word zoe in the Greek. And the word, the literal meaning, if you look it up, it means life as God lives it. So Jesus was saying, I've come that you might have life as I live it, he was saying, or life as Father lives it, or the life of a greater kingdom than what you're experiencing in the earth. He said, I have come. Well, he came. And so what happened when he came? Well, he, he said, I'm the word. So love me for the word. So uh, I find in Matthew chapter 11, let's read chapter 11, verse uh, towards the end. Something that's, that we always have to go back and make sure we have this plugged in. Verse 28, the Lord Jesus said, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Now, he's literally talking there about the new birth. It's, it's prophetic. He says, All that you that labor under the world system and are heavy laden under the world system, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest for your souls. So he's talking about the new birth, isn't he? And then he said, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light versus other forms of some sort of religion where you you have to enter into a task or a, a pilgrimage or a denial a suffering, as it were, to please your demon God. And they are demon gods. They're all demon gods. They're all demon gods. They've they've taken on some appearance and taking on some notes, but all of them demand a sacrifice to please him. Even the, the demon Moloch, where they would pass their babies through the fire, they would sacrifice their firstborn. Well, that's just, that's just in line. That's a counterfeit to the Lord saying, give me your firstborn, sanctify him or her, and, 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 and give me them for the work of the kingdom. He didn't want to kill anybody, but... The, the devil does. So there's all these gods. So it says in verse, uh, in verse uh, uh, 28, all ye that labor. Uh, the word there literally means, I looked it up, it's hard work with no apparent end. So it'd be someone that was uh, uh, in a hopeless situation. 
You're, you're, you're going to work hard and there's not going to be any end to it. We're going to use you completely up. Hard work. Well, that's what most people, in a sense, that live on the earth without the Lord Jesus, that is what they feel like. They're chained to a hopeless life. He said, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. Their life is hard. And he said, I will give you rest. And the word there is refreshed. We ought to, Christians ought to be refreshed. We should never be discouraged, depressed. We should never be without hope. We, we have entered into the, the labor that's refreshing. He gives us rest from our labor and we are refreshed. So the devil's fooled anybody that says, I have a hard life and I'm depressed about it. You just don't know the truth or you've lost the truth, forgotten the truth because we have a good life. And if you hear these testimonies here, this, this, how many testimonies can you squeeze out of a group like this? We have amazing testimonies all the time. So I would say, you might say, I am a successful Christian. Not because I'm Billy Graham or not because, you know, we've uh, uh, been an evangelist in Africa, but because our focus is on Jesus. And he is the, he is the one that saved us from a life of heavy labor without hope. And he's the one that gave us rest. I'm refreshed in him. Let's just lift one hand up to him right now. Lord, we just thank you for all you are, all you've done, all you've promised. You are all of our life. We are refreshed in you and we give you glory and praise right now in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. So we said last week, there's benefits to being in the Lord Jesus, many benefits. But one of them is, is the wisdom of God that I am, you are, we are problem solvers. Not out of our natural mind and not a mechanical engineer, not a chemical engineer, not some lawyer that's uh, uh, got all this uh, intellect or education. But from the greater one in us, we have the mind of Christ. I'm a problem solver. And as soon as you see yourself as a problem solver, as soon as you know you have been sent with an endowment, an intuition, a, a, a bent, as it were, to just walk up on a situation and know what to do. And that's almost all of the world. They are heavy laden. They are burdened with problems that they don't know what to do. And so when we heard Melissa's testimony, it's kind of... It weaved here and it weaved there, but she knew what to do, and the problem was solved. It wasn't just like hocus pocus, and it wasn't even in the name of Jesus. There was a job to do. There was a yoke to get into to find the answer and to be a problem solver, and there is for you and I. There is no problem too great. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. They're definitely formed, but they will not prosper. They will fall apart. So we are problem solvers. We know the answer to mysteries, things that have confounded. We used to pray, and I don't remember if it's on that sheet or not that Barry showed. Uh, it's, it's in a new edition coming soon to, <laughs> to a paper near you. But we used to talk about witty ideas and inventions. That's part of that problem solver thing, where you see things that are unseen. And you change your own life and you change them. So we solve hard problems. We become decisive. Indecisiveness is a curse. 
You just can't decide, well, it's good over here, but I could do better over there. But yet there's down. You got to get out of that. You got to just say, I know what to do and become a become a solver, a problem solver. What do you want for supper tonight? You need to just say what? Well, yeah, Pam wants steak. Hallelujah. There you go. There's the decisive one. We're having steak tonight at Pam's house. Well done, medium or hallelujah. So one way we know about this wisdom is we get on what we talked about last Wednesday that Coach Saban has made popular. It's not new or anything about the process. There's a process or a system that you get into that always works. And you're not trying to say, I've got to figure this out. Well, a lot of it's already been figured out. That's what we do this for. We just get into the word. A lot of the problems or the questions or the mysteries that we have to solve are in the word. Should I marry her or not marry her? Well, are you born again? Sure am. Is she? Sure isn't. Problem solved. It's just like that. Should I move to, uh, I, there's a better job offer in a city that's far away. Well, do they have a church that you can feed in, that you can hook up to, that you can put your children under? No, there's no church. Problem solved. Unless you're going to go start one or you're willing to drive to one. That's not God's answer. He wouldn't do it. Well, I, got a, I can get a job that works on Sundays. Well, do you, do you, are you going to suffer not going to church on Sunday? Well, we all would at this level in place in our life. So problem solved, that's not you. You're gonna work at a convenience store where they sell liquor, they sell cigarettes, they sell whatever that we don't, we say no, that's, so there's things that if we just take the common sense plan, we already know the answer to it. Now, how, how are you gonna get to uh, Silicaga? You know, well, there's, you, you punch in the program and, you're, and it'll show you three routes or something. That might be another problem. Uh, situation, but we have life solved. So we said, I said that everything God does and everything we should do in the process is according to a pattern, according to a, a, uh, a principle, excuse me, that there's principles in here that we can follow. One of them is how to prosper, give and it shall be given to you. Bring your tithe into the storehouse and he'll open the windows. That's a system that is so prevalent that even the Jews and even the unrighteous can tap into. It's not like, well, you get, how much do you love God when you work this? If you get in the system, it works for you. And so you have companies that are moral and ethical, but not Godward. And they prosper because it's a system. It isn't, it isn't so much God saying, okay... Bring so-and-so in as a Christian, and I'm going to evaluate their life and see what I can do. He set a system out there of, of principles and patterns that everybody can engage. Now, once you engage it, there'll be certain things that are detailed just for you, and you go to prayer. Or you go to the Word, but then you go to prayer and say, okay, which way is it? I've heard testimonies where the Lord actually told people, it doesn't matter to me, you pick. I'll prosper you either way. It's like, well, Lord, I, this is the way I want to go. Well, it's, it, that, that's interesting to me. So I, I was meditating on this, and I realized that the problem, the solution is in the problem. That once you know the problem or the challenge, the mystery, 
The answer is in there because there's every problem has got chaos in it. In other words, it's a problem because something's not right. It's a problem because something is out of order. Like your money. It's, it's like we have a problem here. There's not enough. Okay, that's the problem. That's the challenge. That's the mystery. The answer is in that. You might say, well, I got to go get another job. Well, that might not solve the problem. The problem would be in the money. What are we doing with our money? That there's not enough of it for everything that we want, that we need, that we expect. Oh, well, we're spending it or we're letting it go or we're being separated from it without faith and it becomes a problem. It's going out without us being in faith about it. And so there's a problem. So every challenge has an answer in it because God is is order principles and patterns that are never changing, always the same, that fixes the chaos the things that are out of order. Now, it might take you a minute to unwind that. It's, it's simple, but it's your situation. It might take a little bit, but that's how it works is there's nothing that's far away. The answer is in the problem. So you look at the problem and analyze it accurately. Don't you have to you have to be honest. You have to say, really, I am the problem. It's not their fault. I mean, we could have yelled at the refs last night, but actually, you know, we have refs in life that we say are unfair. But really, it works out for us according to what we believe. So we, we have to discover, and that's what we do, we discover the patterns and the principles that are in the Word so that any situation, any challenge, any mystery that comes to us, we know how to get the chaos out of it. We know what's been added that's wrong or what's missing that's wrong. And we know what to add to fix it and get the problem to serve us as an answer. We're talking about life. Life is fun until you have problems. And so everybody's trying to solve their problems. And that's how we do it. So we learn the patterns in the kingdom. So we study the Old Testament because it gives us patterns. We see that David said, I can whoop Goliath. What's the pattern? He had me uh, uh, whoop the, the lion and the bear, therefore. And it's that therefore that tells you how to fix the problem. Goliath is the problem. The pattern is I trusted him for this. I trusted him for that. I will again use the same pattern and I will trust him for that. And, and so it's like problem solved. But nobody in Saul's army saw it because none of them had, had been in that situation that they could recall. Now, one reason we tell testimonies here and we read testimonies and everything is that it sets patterns in our life. We begin to see things that when people uh, like the, the, uh, the testimony this morning, it was a situation. How did God lead him to solve it? Well, it was a pattern that was in his life where God had already solved a smaller problem and he accessed that and said, if it worked then, it'll work now. So testimonies are very important to us. And so to the world, they are not interested in your Jesus because they don't see him solving problems. They don't see hell as being a problem. 
They either discount it or minimize it or they're so overwhelmed with what's money and health and kinfolks that hell is just on the end of a list. So you, you, you go to them, and I'm not saying you can't get people born again, but I'm saying a lot of times they're just overwhelmed. They are just got one nostril above the waves, and they can't listen about something that, that's way down because the, they're going to live forever. But what we do have is we solve the problems. We see it. They don't see it. Or they see it as being a physical or a temporal answer. Whereas we will bring a spiritual answer there, which then often brings them to the new birth. And so through solving a problem in their life, you bring them back around to the problem solver, the one that cares for them and answers every question. So we're talking about the way of the successful Christian. How can we get out of what the world is just covered up in? We solve problems. We just never have a problem that stays very long. We're always working through it and they just keep coming, but we keep solving them. And so the better, the more my life is based on a principle, the less I waver, the less I go off, the less confusion, the less delay, the less hesitancy, the less double mindedness I have. If I know there's a principle for this, then I just go through my library of wisdom that's inside of me and you. And I find out what fits. I find out what fits, just like a doctor is a problem solver, but they're on a different plane. They 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 diagnose. They use their experience. They go to the book if they have to and say, based on this and that, this is what it is. Take this and do that and, and it'll solve the problem. But the problem's still there and it'll come back in another form. So the ultimate problem solver is Jesus. So you need an operation. You need a technique done to you. You need whatever. Let me lay hands on you and we'll solve your problem. And they're like, wow, I'm interested in what makes me feel better and do better right now. Hell is another day. But what I'm hurting with and what hurts my heart and and somebody, somebody left me or whatever, we can solve them with Jesus and it leads them to want him to solve other problems. So it's important as much as us being spiritual in the sense of I can lead you to Jesus is to have a path to bring them till so that they want to be led to Jesus because it solves their problem. And that's what everybody gets up with every single day. They've got a list of unsolved problems from yesterday and the day before, and they knocked out as many as they could, but they went to bed with them. They're heavy on them. They didn't sleep well. They're anxious. They're worried. Uh, and then they have to get up and face that uh, uh, again that day. If they knew you, who knows him, or you could lead them in the scripture and say, here's the answer, problem solved. You wouldn't be their faith because they wouldn't have any faith in it. But you would say, let me take care of this for you. Let me lay hands on you. Let me show you what to do. And it fixes it. So last week we asked this question. I'll ask it again. Why does it take all of somebody's life to live their life and yet they're still not happy? It takes all of their life. They're completely consumed with problems, challenges, 
enigmas. They're consumed with it. So they never, listen, they never get to the end of it. So it takes all of their life, business and unfinished business, to live their life. And they're just wore out. I don't know if y'all remember being just plumb wore out because it was never ending. And it just seems like as soon as you knock something else, something else, something else came around the corner. And it's like, and you get sarcastic about it and start saying things like, well, that's, that's about right for me. You ever said that? Well, that's about par for my course. That's, that's, probably, that's probably what's going to happen to me. And we get cynical and we get hopeless thinking that we're just like the world. And I'm not like the world. I like their ice cream, but I'm not like the world. Are you? No, we're not. Hallelujah. Then others, like you and I, we have the same challenges. They come around the corner because there's a devil and the curse and sin and all that's in the world for all of us. But we seem to be at the right place at the right term, time to get to the end of things. And so we, even though we have their challenges, their diagnoses or their, their financial challenges, we're happy. And we got time and energy and, and, uh, and life left over. Whereas they just end the day exhausted and just go to bed so they can meet it the next day. It's like, ah, we cast that thing upon the Lord. I care of that on the Lord. And we didn't even think about it all night. So the word talks. I'm just, I'm just sharing some things to set us up to something else to think right. I just want to think right. It's all here. The answer for the perfect life is in here. I just have to think right. Because if you don't think right today, you're going to have to think right tomorrow because thinking wrong is going to take you to the wrong place. We've all been there. We've all been there saying, I'm having to do a do-over, and I've had lots of do-overs. And so I wrote down this. It's our, it's our approach. Our approach to life is essential. You have people that it takes all of their life to live their life. Then they have you and I that it's like, I got plenty left over. Well, how could you be happy with all that going on in your life? Well, because I'm connected to him and he's happy. That, that, this is not my end. It's just something I'm going to so I can go through. But this has nothing to do with my life. This thing will be over tomorrow or the next day. And they see no hope or no end. So uh, God has already sent order by his word into disorder, which is the world. This is order. And it's truth. Truth never fails. Truth always wins. Truth always comes out. So the more we embody truth and turn to it in the troubles, the faster our deliverance and the greater our deliverance. So when we have an approach, problems come, we have an approach. We have to decide whether to react to the world. This is important. To react to the world and enter into their problem, which is the great temptation. To enter into their problem because they're everywhere. And as soon as you fix this one, you just turn and there's somebody there. And what do they need? They got lots of problems and they want you to engage them according to their problem. That's the world. But we develop an approach and a posture, a outlook a perspective that we're going to enter everything according to the word. We're not going to enter into their problem, which has got chaos in it, uncertainty, certainly depression, 
we're going to enter into their situation with the word. And no matter how much they tell us, yeah, but this and they have a problem for every solution. And you got to get to the end of it or walk away. You have to tell them this is the answer. There is no answer. Yeah, but I, I need an answer. This is the answer. And they don't see it at first, but you're so confident. Well, I'll just tell you my testimony. Uh, this is what I had, similar to what you're going through. And this is what the Lord had me do. I saw it. I engaged it and problem solved. And they're like, really? I said, yeah. And what he did for me, he will do for you. So we're talking about the way of the successful Christian so that we don't live like the world lives, even though that we're in the world. So we we. We react to the word while the world is reacting to the problem. We react to the word. It'll try to get you down. It'll try to tell you it's hopeless. And I'm sure even the testimonies we've heard this morning, there would be temptation. There would be in lots of time to put your to enter into the chaos. Of that challenge of that overwhelming thing with no natural remedy in sight. You'd be tempted by that. So we just, we have to decide what our approach is. Same thing with sickness or a disease or a, of some sort of uh, physical frailty that seems to be hopeless, like it's chronic. It's just been there, it's always been there, it's there and it's always going to be there. You would not say that part, but but you're living a life that says this is how it is and how it's going to be. And so we, we have to quit reacting to the world that says, honey, you got arthritis. Arthritis cannot be cured. You're, you're going to have this. You have it and you're going to have it. Just deal with it here. Take these pills or do this, whatever. Am I telling that right? And so we have to have a we have to have a remedy because there is an answer for every challenge. There's an answer for everything. And the answer is always in the peace of God, the, the principles and the patterns of the word. So we have to react right and not enter into the world's problems and their situation. So, you know, we talk about this all the time about mastery. Mastery. It's not for the casual observer. It's not for someone that says, well, tell me what to do. I got to go. Can you tell me real quick? Because I, I got to go. And it's like, no, hon, we're going to have to sit down and you're going to have to develop a mastery, a, a confidence in these things. Sure, we can fix the trouble today. I'll lay hands on you. It'll go away. But there will be new days with new troubles and you'll want mastery so that you don't have to find me for every single problem. Y'all know those people, don't you, that want you to come back. <laughs> it came back. What do I do now? You get in the word. Hallelujah. So um, we have said, I have said, what the Lord told me over a year ago has changed my life. There's just several little idioms that he's given me. I don't want to say idioms, but principles he's given me that have just changed my life. One of them was, uh, you never know what God's going to do. The goodness of God, excuse me. 
you never know how much good God's going to bring. But the, the one that I liked the best was is do told me, Michael, do what only you can do so that you will finish all I've called you to do. Because I realized and, and Deborah and I were talking about it yesterday, that if you open every door that is in front of you, you will never see the doors that are open to you. If you open every door, if you do everything that you can do, instead of just the things that only you can do, you will never get to the end of the doors that there are to open. And that changed my life. Michael, do what only you can do. And that's why I said a couple weeks ago, you know, I'm not mowing the grass. I'll hire the grass mowed, but I'm not mowing the grass. And I just yesterday, I had a, I had a, I'd already told Deborah, I said, I, I got to get my pressure washer out and I got to go up to the church. That's just, it's just nasty up there and, and I got to fix that. And, you know, like, but when can I do it and what can I do and what, how's I'm going to do it and where's the, how long is the hose going to have to be and I've got a short hose and all these things. And all of a sudden it was like, call this man and he'll pressure wash it for you. And he's excited. To, he, this man, he loves to pressure wash. I mean, uh, you, you like, you mean bake cookies or you mean, uh, no, he likes to pressure wash. He's so excited when he has a job. Call him. Solve, problem solved. I mean, that seems so trite. But for me, it was, a major, it was, it was developing into a thing like, when am I going to get this done? So if there's a transition in our life, it's to start identifying with myself the greater one in me as the problem solver. I'm not afraid. I'm not reticent. I do not hold back from where problems are because I know if he's called me to solve them, it won't be a problem. I can fix it. The only times we don't want to engage with people's problems is we think they're hopeless. And there are some tough ones out there. But almost always the answer is go to church. Like, no, I need something this afternoon. Well, I will lay hands on you and I will give you $50 and that'll fix it today. But you got to come to church. You got to get in the word. You, you, got, you got to make friends with somebody that, that, uh, that cares enough about you to help you. And so we said last week, talking about uh, uh, David and Goliath, that how David gave praise to God for everything. He gave praise for the lion. He gave praise for the bear. And he gave praise. He said, who is this uncircumcised for listing that defies the armies of the living God? Uh, my God did this. My God did that. My God will do this. So we said that praise was a real factor in developing the problem solver is what he's already done. That's what he likes to do. Amen. That makes you develop into a kind of a non-negotiable person. What does James say? He says the double-minded man cannot hope to receive anything from God. So really hesitating or being double-minded or delaying or compromising is dangerous if you want to receive anything from God. Because what it does is it throws you over in the world side that doesn't have any hope and doesn't have any reason to look for an answer. So we just say, like we said a while ago, we're going to be decisive. We're going to make decisions easily. We're going to start saying, I have an answer as soon as I have a problem. And I will, I will believe I receive that wisdom for everything.
And suddenly when someone says, well, you've got a problem, just like the pressure washer thing, it just came. I started believing, God, what is the answer to this? If it's not me hauling my little pressure washer up there and just wagging that wand on that nasty black stuff, what is the answer to that? Actually, this gentleman, he says that he doesn't go to church and he doesn't give to God. Therefore, he likes to pressure wash churches for his service to God. I have a porch for him. Hallelujah. <laughs> so we have to deal to, to make decisions. You've got to be decisive. So that means you have to necessarily have to cut out people or things out of your life that lead us to double mindedness or indecision. So we have to with friends or people that we used to kind of spit and whittle, so to speak, where we hang out with them. But they're indecisive and they've always got a sarcastic thing about the future. Well, this is that. Did you hear what the president did? Did you do did you hear about this and that and the other? And you just got to go. I, I got to get rid of you. It says. Let me let me just turn there real quick. Uh, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. Nor standeth in the way of sinners. Nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. That's that's it right there. We got to change friends, change acquaintances. Well, I, I go back a long way with them. Well, if you haven't changed them since going back a long way with them, you need to disappear and let them start finding you. Let me read that again. Walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, standeth in the way of sinners, or sitteth in the seat of the scornful. You need to change friends. Sentiment. We got, we got this in our book the other day in the valor about the, the power of sentiment to drown you. That if we attach sentiment when we need to be decisive, we'll always sink and go under. There's a place for being compassionate, sentimental. There's a place where it's got a chain around you. So I wrote down, when you base your life on principles, according to principles and patterns then you have to condemn all things irrelevant to your life. And you become, there's a word, I won't say that worldly word, but there's a word that says you're a, you're a hard person because you are decisive. You're like, no, I'm not going to that. I'm not going to be in that group. I'm not going to be with those people. I'm not going to subscribe to that kind of thinking and you become a little aloof, you become a little bit, but you just got one life to live. And if you wait till you get old, then you don't even have one life to live. You just have to have the end of one life to live. And if you're going to do anything, we should do it quickly. We should do it now. So I'm, I'm kind of, I'm known to be kind of a hard head and other things I know because I'm on this, this quest to be wise. I want to be wise. And so one way to get wis wisdom, to be wise, is to get wisdom. But another way is to get away from everything that's foolish. And that's what I'm doing. I want to encourage you to consider it for your own life and uh, become a spiritual achiever. In Hebrews chapter 6, would you turn there with me? I'm kind of wandering around there, I think. Hebrews chapter 6.
we're, we're talking about the way of the successful Christian. And you know, he said, my yoke is easy. So it's not hard to be a successful Christian, but we will have to make hard decisions. We will have to make hard choices. In other words, they'll be unconventional. If you were in the world and we've all been in the world and then we've we've been cutting off the world little by little here and there. But as you continue to do that, the world doesn't want you around as much anymore. But when they need you, they will come around. You know, these little grandmas that uh, are everybody goes, ah, they roll their eyes when grandma tells them about Jesus and tells them you ought to be in church and all that. But then when they need prayer, ring grandma, <laughs> I'm in trouble and I need prayer. And that's where they go. So you might not get a lot of affection during the day, but at the end, you'll get the right answer. It's chapter six, look in verse one. It says, therefore, so right there, you know, there's a lot of things he said in chapter five about growing up. And in that thing, he comes to chapter six. He says, therefore, leaving the principles or the basic principles of the doctrine of Christ, leaving the basic principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on unto perfection. So he's saying here, grow up. The, the Lord told Brother Hagin, uh, after he'd pastored and he'd been on the road a little bit, he said, you're about to enter the second phase of your ministry. Well, I forget how old he was, but he was way down the road to middle life and the Lord and been serving God for since he was 17. And the Lord said, you're just now entering the second phase of your ministry. So there are phases. And I believe for me and for you, we're. The Lord's wanting us to enter another phase of ministry. In other words, we've nailed this. This right here, we've, we, we know how to do church. We know, we, know, we know how to walk it out, how to mature, how to be chastened, how to be uh, uh, blessed. I, I believe there's another realm that we should all go to. And I'm pressing for it for myself. And I'm encouraging you. So he said, leaving the basic principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on to perfection or completion. And then he lays down six things that would be to go on uh, from, to go on from. Number one, he says, uh, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God. So there's two of them there. I want to just talk about the first one there. Not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works. So what he's, what he's obviously talking about there is people that sin and then they spiral out of control because of the, how they feel about their sin. Oh, I failed you and it'll, I, I promise never to do it again and, and just wallering that thing out. Actually, it's not very complimentary to the Lord for us to bring up stuff that we failed at in the past and repented of and to bring it back to him and say, Lord, I'm just a worm. Well, you know, you may act like a worm, but he thinks you're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus and that his blood was sufficient to cleanse you from all unrighteousness when you came to him the last time about it. He thinks it's finished. So repentance, not leaving the foundation, uh, leaving the foundation, excuse me, laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works. He said that is childish. That's elementary. That's a basic foundation that we should go on from. 
Could I have a better amen? The passion says now is the time for us to progress beyond the basic message of Christ and advance into perfection. The foundation's already been laid for us to build upon, turning away from our dead works to embrace faith in God. Dead works. Dead works would be just like real proud of yourself because you showed up for church. What do they call those Christians that just... Uh, CEOs. Christmas, Easter only. Yeah. Now, we don't even know what those are here. But that's, that's a real thing. Uh, the CEV says we should need to keep talking about why we ought to turn from deeds that bring death and why, and why we ought to have faith in God. It's just who we are. He's saying, why are you talking about it like it's something novel or something important? It's just who you are. You need to move on from who you are to what you can do and what you can have. The God's Word translation says the basics about turning away from the useless things we did. Now, I used to do useless things. And they were all moral and ethical and all even Godward. But they weren't things that only I could do. And so I didn't do a lot of stuff that only I could do, and I, I paid for it. My life did not, in the ministry, did not go forward like it should have because I was doing, God un, I was doing godly things that weren't on my list, that, but somebody needed to do them, and so I thought it was me because I could. You know, we say here that access is not permission. Just because you can do something doesn't mean the Lord's pleased when you do it. It's a real important principle. Access is not permission. Just because we get away with something, even sin, we get away with sin. How do we get away with it? Because there's no lightning rods. There's no earth opening up and swallowing you. We're in a grace time. So you think, well, didn't bother God for me to do that. I believe I'll go do it again. Access is not permission. And so uh, we've got to grow up. Continue to grow up. Continue and not be wondering about sin. That's I told you over and over. That's why we don't do a big thing about sin around here is because we've got to move on from that was naughty. Don't do that anymore or God's going to get you. We don't do that because we got to move on. We're apostolic. We're prophetic. We're, 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 we're aspiring to be a world-changing body even though we're not really sure where that, what that means in the sense of where we're going, but we know that he's raised us up for something powerful, just like he would anybody. Not, not you go, well, River Church is really, really special. Only if we aspire to go further, and anybody would be in that realm. Proverbs chapter 4, I'm going to quit with this. We're, we're, we're still talking about Successful, becoming a successful Christian. Proverbs chapter 4. So, do you remember that old saying that they used to say? Uh, uh, the main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. Well, that's just true as it can be right here. The main thing. Well, now it's the essential thing. It's not even main. It's essential. We're running out of time. The Lord didn't come back this last week, but he's still coming. 
And he still assigns you and I a certain amount of things with our life, the gifts and, and callings that are in you and me, to get them done. Because he's on a timetable. The Lord has got a schedule, and he knows exactly when the Lord's coming back. Hallelujah. Acts chapter 4, verse 5 says, Get wisdom, get understanding, forget it not, neither decline from the words of my mouth. Forsake her not. Why? For she shall preserve thee. Love her, and she shall keep thee. Love wisdom. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom, and with all thy getting, get understanding. Wisdom is the principal thing. Wisdom is the principal thing. Now, we have wisdom, and, and uh, Barry talked about favor. We have favor. Favor's in us, but we have to exercise favor like he did. Wisdom is in you. You have to exercise wisdom. You can be a fool and be filled with the wisdom of God and the mind of Christ and be like a fool. Act foolishly. Go back to the world. Go back to the, the elementary things that we're supposed to move on from. If you read those, it's like, that's a pretty big list in most churches. Well, what's basic about that? When you read that list, you realize, I need to get past that or I'm still in kindergarten. Uh, faith in God was number two. Yeah, get past faith in God. That's just what we do. It's not even like, let's get in faith in God. No, that's how we operate every single day. So uh, I wrote down uh, knowledge. I got this from somewhere else. Knowledge is acquiring facts. Understanding is interpreting those facts. And wisdom is the application of those facts. So what does that say? Problem solver. Application of those facts. I know what to do. You got a situation, there's an answer, there's always an answer, there's always been an answer. God has an answer in creation. He has an answer for everything that the devil's done to bring chaos into our world. The curse of the broken law. That everything that's wrong in our lives, in our world, is because of the devil and him bringing the curse. Well, Jesus solved that. He came and he's, he was made a curse for all that curse. But we have to apply it. And the world's living in it straight up. So if you acquire wisdom, you'll be esteemed and lifted up because you will live above the chaos that's in this world. And that's who you and I are. We are not. We are in this world, but we are not of this world. So testimonies that y'all bring just tell about the victory over the chaos. There was this. The Lord showed me this. I applied it and it fixed it. Isn't that what a testimony is? Is the victory over the devil? Stubbornness is the core of ignorance. This is something we say in men's meetings. Stubbornness is the core of ignorance. People don't know because they are stubborn. Or you could say, we can go as fast as we want. You could grow up as fast as you want. I have some years, and I guess, you know, I'm just telling you it, it would be obvious. I have some years that I went faster than other years because I was preoccupied. I was, I was dealing with family or I was dealing with finances or stuff that I was supposed to solve and get the answer to, get around, 
and I got bogged down. I'm, I'm not giving you a testimony and you go say, wonder what he's talking about. I'm just talking about life. I'm not talking about anything stickier that y'all don't know about. There, there's none of that. I'm just saying I should have went faster. And I'm sorry that I didn't. I wrote down here, men don't read because they've lost the ability to concentrate. They told me when we started handing out books to study for men's valor that men could not read more than 10 minutes at a time and that I ought to give it up. I had someone tell me that. That's not going to work. Used to it would work, but men can't read. Well, it's true that we've all been programmed uh, to uh, TV and the, 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 the cycle of commercials, but it doesn't mean that we should as, as, assent to it. We ought to press and say, you know, I'm tired of reading after 10 minutes. Well, just hit the floor and give me 20. <laughs> you know, give me 20 minutes of reading. It's like, but it's hard. You're tough. 20 minutes of reading and then answer these questions. Uh, the, the truth is, is that uh, they say, I read this, uh, men read a whole chapter and cannot summarize, just general men, read a whole chapter in a book and cannot summarize the thought enough to teach it to somebody else. In other words, read a chapter and tell me what the chapter says. Teach me. Oh, we got to fix that. I mean, we've already fixed that here. But the kingdom has to fix that. So not everything is so-called spiritual. Not everything is just like give your heart to Jesus and cry at the altar and, and promise you'll do better. Some of it is just go read a book and press past 10 minutes or 10 pages. It's uncomfortable. Ah, but the way we got there is the way we can get somewhere else. We just press. And sometimes we've got to get off the TV, I suppose. But that's, that's not my subject. I want to be a successful Christian. And it's not just being moral. It's just not repenting of dead works over and over, saying, Lord, I knew I should have done better, but I didn't. I mean, that may have sounded what I was doing this morning. I'm just telling you how I could have been further along. And I know everyone in here could say the same thing. I could have been further along. But the world distracted me. Part of it, I got distracted by problems that I didn't think there was an answer to or I didn't think I could solve. And so we just wallered in them. We just, we just fought that alligator over and over and over until finally we just kind of had a truce and walked away. I'm going to solve every problem that's against my life because Jesus already did. Amen. I don't know if that was an encouraging message or not this morning. I don't know... Uh, but it is the answer. It is the answer to life. Like, I don't have any problems. I just need faith in God. Amen. So, Lord, we thank you today. You are so, so good to each one of us. Even though we, we may not have fulfilled everything you designed for us at that moment, yet you just stayed with us, and you're still with us. So, Lord, we're inspired this morning, right now, to take up the cross and follow you. We're inspired this morning to, to qualify for the life you've given us. 
And I thank you, Lord, the Holy Ghost inside of us is our great activator. And he activates us to do what you've called us to do and do what you've empowered us to do so we would fulfill our calling. Thank you, Lord, for River Church. I'm so grateful, so, so grateful to be with these people. And Lord, we're just all just so blessed. We just don't even know where to go sometimes. It's just so much. Thank you, Lord, for doors opening in front of us that we know to go through. And they will have the key. They will have another door in that door, in that room, that will lead us to the right place. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 So we're going to...